0: The following podcast is presented by Secret Room Multimedia.
1: Greetings fanboys and fangirls, you're listening to a very special episode of Fairpoint. Tonight, we have the distinct honor of sharing the spotlight with and picking the brain of one of our favorite online personalities. He's part of one of the biggest online reviewer communities, and with over 160 episodes under his belt and a legion of badassitude at his disposal, he is somebody that we have wanted to get on the show since day one. In order to get the most out of this, we will be foregoing our usual format to grill him on five different talking points. I'm Nathan Kappeser. I'm Craig Lewis.
2: And I'm E-Rod. And I'm the Blockbuster Buster.
1: And this is An Evening with the Blockbuster Buster. joined by as we said uh, Erod the blockbuster buster. You may know him from his videos on that guy with the glasses. Uh, Blip TV, YouTube. He's he's a really awesome guy.
0: If you don't know his shit, check it out. Um, if you don't know his shit, what what is wrong with you? You need to get on the internet. You need to learn how to use that thing. Hey, Erod. How's it going, man?
2: It's going pretty good, guys. How about you, too?
1: Absolutely fantastic. Never been better, man. Well, you know, Thank I, you so much. Uh, we've, we, we've told you so many times in the last like 10 minutes setting up And so many times in the email exchanges But thank you so much for doing this uh, Our listeners are just as thankful, I'm sure, as we are
2: Cool, man Support the arts and support you know, independent producers Because it's, it breaks the flow of mediocrity That <laughs> is out there in the media Shows like this have more heart When it's the fans producing them for the fans as opposed to, you know, prepackaged, Absolutely. you know, yes. <laughs> show made by <laughs> white guys in suits that don't really know what the fuck the consumers want. Right. So, yeah, I, I am all about uh, supporting stuff like this. So, I'm, I'm extremely proud of you guys for putting so much energy and um, professionalism into it.
1: Oh, thank we you. <laughs> you <were talking laughs> thank you so much. I'm so flattered. I don't even know where to go from there, man. Um,
2: oh. Well, say, say nice things about me. Oh, let's not yeah, yeah. like that. Well, your videos,
0: <laughs> for, for one, they're. Your videos are super awesome, man. Um,
1: if you're not familiar with what he does, uh, seriously, like we said a minute ago, what the fuck is wrong? What are you doing with yeah, your life?
0: <laughs> what he does is he takes big budget blockbuster movies and takes them down a peg or two.
2: Or, 12. Really? or, or also, also movies that were designed to be blockbusters. Because a lot of people uh, flip their shit when I review movies that th- didn't necessarily make big money. Oh, right, and, right. And part of the rule is that I also, uh, you know, knock down a peg, as you so put it. Uh, movies that were designed to literally trick us into spending money on them because they <laughs> were either based on something that we like or a sequel to something that we like, or an uh, a prequel, or a spin-off of something that we like. And so I generally, that's my forte. I either do blockbusters or wanna-be blockbusters. Yeah, like Battleship. Oh, for real. Oh, oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Milton <laughs> Bradley, what or, are you doing?
2: Transformers uh, 4.5, as I like to call it.
1: No, I'm really interested. You started doing videos in 2010, correct? Yes, right, yes. And um, I'm interested in kind of what was going on before that. I mean, I see that I see that you do the title cards for your episodes. Although I'm a little confused because I know that Ejoy does the title cards, but you always okay. say that your that it's an original drawing. I actually was hoping you could clear that up too.
2: Okay, no problem. Um, I, I started uh, how I broke into the film business was as a storyboard artist. So I've always uh, have some drawing skills, and when I first started the show. Uh, my pl- battle plan was to put everything that I could do into the show. So right off the bat, creating title cards for the show was in the books, and I did it all by myself. But unfortunately, it was supremely time-consuming, um, and I was putting way too much energy into doing that as opposed to putting energy into like writing the show and producing it. Okay. So I was honestly considering it, considering giving it up, and then when I got into that guy with the glasses, one of the very few notes that they ever gave me because they're very hands-off and liberal about you know the producers doing things on their own, but one of the very few notes that they gave me was that I needed to make my title card smaller so they can fit on the main site um, to identify the episodes. And uh, I just didn't have the software uh, to shrink them down and make them the correct size and all that. So I was about to quit... Making, drawing the title cards and coloring them and doing all that all together. And then Eugenia just came out of the woodwork like an archangel sent from heaven <laughs> and uh, literally just volunteered at first. And I said, that's not cool. I'm not going to let you volunteer. I would rather pay you, but let's try you out first. So she did the title cards uh, for three episodes. And basically the way it w- w- the way we work is so she doesn't have extra unnecessary work. I come up with the concept and I draw the title card. I do the initial drawing and then I pass it on to her and she does all the shading and inking and she adds the background and the logos and she makes it look like a title card. She turns my scribbles and turns them into art.
1: (laughs) Well, she She does does a damn fine job.
2: Oh oh my God, yes. Uh, uh, You brought up the Battleship episode a minute ago, Craig. Yes. Um, That title card was just... a a shitty drawing of me. That's it, with my mouth open. And she came in and added the ocean, and she added like the plasma blast from my mouth, the atomic breath, the ships, the sky, everything. She made it. She took my shitty drawing of myself and just turned it into this fucking awesome work of art that deserves to be in a wall. And that's the magic of her, that every week I give her a challenge, and she meets that challenge unbelievably. Yeah, uh, the second title card that she ever did for me was called The Conqueror. Okay. And uh, originally I would draw everything. I would draw the background, the characters, the logos, everything. And she told me not to do that anymore, just to draw the characters and an explanation of what I wanted. So I drew drew me and I drew Kevin Sorbo and I said, I want this like epic medieval landscape in the background. And she just came up with that unbelievable like D&D, you know, background with that magical sky. And oh my God. And that was all her. I didn't, I just gave her a vague description so, yeah, I only deserve 10% of the credit as far as the, <laughs> the, the title cards go. Um,
1: well, I think the, we th- could at least give you 15 or 20 maybe. Oh, I don't know.
2: Thank you. 12%? 12%? We'll talk about that. We'll settle 12%, on
1: 12. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the reason I started including her in the show is because she is a professional illustrator. Um, she, she's from Peru, and she actually has published works, and she created her own cartoon character that she does comic strips for um, called the Macho Bunny. And, um, yes, I, I've um, seen that on the show. I didn't realize that was... Uh, that's a real thing that she created, and she sells merchandise with the Macho Bunny on them. She's a legit uh, um, illustrator, so I wanted to put her on the show and, and for people to see her, so hopefully she would get more work because, uh, again, for somebody so talented, unfortunately, she just doesn't get the compensation that she deserves. Um, she's uh, literally a starving yeah, artist. It happens a lot. Um, yeah, So I literally wanted people to see her so when they thought of somebody to be an illustrator, they automatically think of her face. Um, Because generally people will hire people that they know as opposed to people that they don't know. And if they know this character from this show that is this amazing artist that can turn my shitty drawings into amazing (laughs) works of (laughs) art.
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, hopefully. And the same thing with Billy Joe, the special effects guy. He he plays uh, Dr. Effect. on the show yeah yeah. same thing with him he's this amazing vfx guy that does 10 times the work for the the what i pay him he always goes above and beyond so i wanted people to see him how
1: long has he been doing the effects
2: on your show about about the same amount of time as eugenia was doing the title cards what happened with that is that i did the 100th episode the star wars episode and everybody hated that episode I, I but, enjoyed it, man. <laughs> I
1: was really looking forward to that. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Hate, man. Welcome, welcome to the 1%. Uh, <laughs> no,
1: the buildup, man. of we... everybody
2: that saw it, that tested it. That was but an the event one for good us. thing that came out of it was that Billy Joe saw that episode and he said, man, it really looked like he meant to do something way bigger with this. And on his own time, without me asking him, he took the three-part episode and added special effects to it and sent it back to me without me asking, it's like, look at what I can do. That's I can awful. do this for you on a weekly basis. Wow. And I was still pretty snooty about it. I was like, <laughs> uh, well, this doesn't mean the guy is loyal. This doesn't mean I can count on him. So I asked him to do some kind of a scene where a character shoots fireballs and lightning. So this is what he did. He went out to a bar with his wife and out in the bar parking lot, he has this imaginary LARPing fight with his wife, <laughs> which but which has in the real world has no lightning or fireballs. And then of goes course. back home and takes that footage and adds the lightning and fireballs being fired from him to his wife and vice versa.
1: That's And says awesome.
2: that to me. And I'm like, shit, I got to work with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so when he told me he was coming down to Florida uh, or other business, I told him, do you want to shoot an episode? And he jumped at the opportunity. So I wrote that whole storyline for him. To, okay. as, a, as a somewhat of a thank you and to feature him more in the show and to give him more to do um, because he was coming down and he's always been like my number one fan like he always goes above and beyond so including him in the show was something that had to happen and again so people will see him and hopefully he will get more work doing some amazing VFX work, work that he does.
1: That's so cool man. Um, well yeah I mean knowing like seeing all that that you do uh you do those drawings for the title cards uh like your extensive knowledge of voice actors and just uh, animation yes. history <laughs> uh you you've got your own roster of characters that you portray like both like vocally and um visually i guess uh right. on your show like you often incorporate like ongoing story arcs into into your reviews I'm wondering if like There was another creative outlet maybe before you decided to start doing the reviews, or if there's anything that you're still hoping to get to one day. Do you have stories you want to tell, or do you want to do voice acting? I feel like there's something there that we don't know about.
2: Well, I've been uh, making movies or working on movies to some capacity since I was 12 years old. Um, And I just, in 2010, I just fell in a rut. Uh, I couldn't find work, and... But either film wise or any other kind, and it was was a really rough time. Um, And I was about to go bankrupt, I was about to be homeless, and (laughs) yeah, so I, as an attempt to not go insane, I started making these, these Blockbuster Buster videos as both. Uh, an attempt to keep myself busy and also to, as you said, a creative outlet. But my first love has always been making movies and telling stories. Yeah, I have a million stories to tell that uh, you will never see on the Blockbuster Buster because (laughs) (laughs) that's not the right venue for them. Um, A lot of the fans complain about me telling the same story over and over again is because that's as good as it's going to get for the Blockbuster Buster. I'm not going to use my A material on that. Right. Uh, no offense, you know, it's a silly <laughs> internet show, which I'm underpaid for, for God's sake, you know, um, like the Joker says, you know, if you do something really well, you shouldn't do it for free. So, yeah, it's, you know, as far as the storylines go for the Blockbuster Buster, it's just the forethought of what cool thing do I want to do this week. That's pretty much it. And it's, it's that parody of wish fulfillment. You know, you see all those guys at the conventions, um, lightsaber fighting and LARPing and having all these imaginary, you know, bullshit scenarios. So I take that and I'm like, that's what the Blockbuster Buster does all the time. <laughs> for, him, that, for him, that's real. So that's, that's the ongoing gag. Um, eventually, uh, I would like to go back to making movies and, uh, my ultimate goal is to both make movies and have Michael Bay review them. <laughs> that would be pretty
0: <laughs> fucking amazing. you like, listen, That's, Michael Bay, this is how you write a movie. That would be the first
1: time I think I would throw down money to watch a Michael Bay production right there.
2: Um, and, and another thing, you know, I, I poke fun of him, but he, he's more than welcome to make fun of me if he so feels like it. <laughs> um and if i ever met him that would be the conversation it's like hey you want to do something where you get back at me you want to make fun of me in some way you want to review something that i did you know i don't don't think he
0: would be able to respond without
2: his cue cards (laughs) Uh, did you guys see that speech or that speech that he didn't do or he bailed yeah
1: now (laughs) how would you feel if michael bay wanted to direct a blockbuster buster adaptation
2: um, well, he'd be welcome to do it if I was done with the Blockbuster Buster. Like, he's welcome to it. If he feels he can do it better, you know, he he can have it at that
0: point. Mr. Bay, you uh, can have my right scraps, now, sir.
2: Right now, uh, if he did it, it'd be career suicide for him. Because nobody in Hollywood would take him seriously and my fans would eat him alive. Because I have one of some of the most sensitive Beautifully loyal, but sensitive fans (laughs) ever. Where a lot of the the reviewers and that guy with the glasses, a lot of my fellow personalities, catch an amazing amount of flack from my fans if they ever say anything about me. And I'm like, guys, there's nothing. It's fucking make believe. Just calm down. It's all good fun, (laughs) guys. (laughs) They're doing me a favor by mentioning me in their videos. For God's sake, you're gonna Uh, ruin it for me, guys. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Well, I it's, loved- it's very flattering, though.
1: My, my all-time favorite Blockbuster Buster episode is, mm. to my knowledge, it was the one that got you on the fucking site when I, you were originally turned down, correct?
2: In a really nice way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean to. I, oh, wanna, I love that
1: site. I don't I, mean to I paint did, that I site. I videos like,
2: "Oh, the website turned me down." I make some like you know, funny videos, making fun of the situation. <laughs> but the reality of it all was that they wanted to appeal to specific demographics. They already have plenty of uh, loudmouth males. on the site they wanted to appeal to other demographics um and i'm not necessarily saying women i'm saying just other demographics as far as other other styles okay just to be clear and the beautiful thing about it is that rob was always really honest with me as far as what they were looking for and he was always like hey you have talent i see what you're doing i'm going to keep you at arms length please be patient if you really want to do this it's just that right now we got three of you um <laughs> um you know but well uh, they, per-
1: they definitely didn't have a blockbuster buster that that well, much is know, for sure but i know i i understand what
2: you're saying absolutely paraphrasing what he was saying totally it's funny because when i came on uh, that was one of the major criticisms from the viewers it's like oh another another one of these <laughs> what the fuck um but eventually well, people warmed up to me so
1: that that just, episode though i mean to in order to like properly parody something it has to come from a place of like if not love at least appreciation and like that episode that you did where you Are where we you talking parodied... about the
2: Catwoman episode? No no
1: no 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 the episode was it it was the episode where you um you did everybody from that guy with the glasses.
2: Okay that was not the episode the the video that got me on the website but
1: oh, okay. it's definitely
2: definitely that that one got me a lot of attention the first one that I did that was like that was Aragon And then I did a second one that got me into a bit of trouble, um, where I yeah, where I I made fun of um what was the movie Atlantis? Okay, that was the second one. Uh, With the second one, I have only had one real conversation with Rob Walker all in my life, one, and it was about that episode. And uh, before I did it, I talked to him and I said, "Hey, I'm going to do this episode," and I and I wasn't even I hadn't even started on the website yet. Uh, I'm going to do this episode, three episodes in, uh, where I'm going to do parodies of all the, the people on that guy with the glasses. And I said, well, give me a list of who you're making fun of. And I gave him the list. And he said, well, just contact these people and make sure you let them know what you're doing. Make sure you have their permission. Like, I don't mind if you make fun of me. I don't mind. Doug won't make, m- mind if you make fun of him. I know that for a fact. And he also told me that uh, Brad, uh cinema snob, won't mind. They know him. He lives close by. And he's totally open for self-deprecating humor. Um, he gave me permission for that, but that's where his permission ended. And he said, please contact the rest of the reviewers and ask them for permission. And please let me see the video before we, we, it goes up on the site. And so I did that. I got everybody's permission and I got beautiful messages from guys like angry Joe and Linkara and like, yeah, go for it. That sounds hilarious. And, um, I do it and I put it on the site. My fans have an awesome reaction and then everybody else has just a negative, insane reaction that I was asked for my well-being to not do impersonations of the other reviewers unless it was like a callback to oh. it, like me making reference to it but not literally doing an impersonation. I'm, um, I'm but very sorry was, to
1: hear that. I mean, I really, I am a fan of pretty much everybody that you parodied there, and that and was why so I enjoyed I, that was it. The not, point. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't and enjoy it, it because too. I was laughing at them. I was like, oh, this is, this is spot on. This guy gets it. Like he watches these guys too, and. I don't
2: know. Um, it's funny because this, this girl sent me this essay, this long-ass essay, how how I shouldn't make fun of uh, Linkara's speech impediment. And I don't know. He doesn't have a speech impediment. But it's like, it was wrong. <laughs> and yeah. And, okay, Lewis doesn't have a speech impediment. I'm going on record on this. And, <laughs> and I needed to uh, I formally apologize to him and all this crap. And... Let me tell you something. If there is one guy that I've maintained a correspondence with the whole time I've been on the website, it's him. He yeah, like the,
1: you guys have uh, done a few I, videos I, together.
2: It's so it's so hard to get together. But uh, no, I mean, I have never, ever had a problem of any kind with Louis Lovag. He is more than welcome, like I said with Michael Bay earlier, he's more than welcome to make fun of me. He just <laughs> doesn't take the bait. Uh, uh, well, she uses and abuses that privilege to no end. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but he's more than welcome to do so. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just that thing where, I mean, who would do that? Who would allow somebody to make of something that insults other pe- other people, their coworkers, and then present it <laughs> as a finished work right. on their website? Uh, that, that would be so ridiculous. And every time I'm going to do something that gets close to that, like I just did the April Fools episode where Cartoony played Angry Joe. Again, yes, I let yes. them know. And, and they, you know, it's gotten to a point where they don't even respond. And like, Oh yeah, yeah, we know, you, we know you do those things. We make, fun of, we make fun of things too. <laughs> yeah.
0: I just, I just, just want to say, um, cartoon E doing Angry Joe. I just oh, yeah. pew 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 pew. That was, that
2: was, <laughs> that was dying at that point. And, and literally, literally, that was for the reason that the video says he was unavailable. And he was very apologetic about it, but he was unavailable. I'm like, I need an angry gamer to interject. I can't, I just can't do it. <laughs> And just nobody was available. Everybody was at the same convention. And I just said, well, ooh, would it be funny if it was like a soap opera, you know, when an actor's not available, that they bring in this completely different looking actor to play that one character for that one episode? And at the beginning of the episode, they go, today, the part of Roger Thorpe, will be played by Robert <laughs> Bloddenstein, you know, it's like, <laughs> I, who the hell is this guy? It's the understudy. Like, like, literally my, my who the hell are you reaction.
0: So
2: I was like, let's use that joke where the completely wrong character is playing like one of the most angry <laughs> and furious personalities ever. Like my happiest, most innocent character is playing <laughs> freaking angry Joe of all characters.
0: Well, as a fan, I want to reassure you that we all love it because it's, it's funny. And if anything, it shows camaraderie between all you guys that like you're all cool with that.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. And and none of
0: it ever comes off as, like, hateful or negative. Yeah,
2: a a lot of people fall under the impression that we, like, live in a firehouse together and sleep in bunk beds (laughs) and slide down a pole and do our videos. That would be so cool. Which is retarded. We live in different towns, different cities, different countries, and we do our best to communicate through email. We're not ever ever 100 sure what other people are doing on the site which to me is wonderful because it's always a surprise when i see other people's videos because i'm not just a participator i'm a fan but you know even if we didn't even if we did live in that firehouse together you know we'd have to figure out a way to coexist so for people to think that any of these imaginary feuds are real it's it's so silly
1: i'm I'm very surprised people do take that seriously
2: (laughs) well that that's just the way it is and that's that's why uh doug has had to do so many videos where he apologizes for something or does like the top 10 list of his fuck-ups and all that because he is the biggest star he is the guy who everybody's eyes are on so he has to do those things i have the pleasure of not having to do any of that (laughs) every apologize to anything and i hope to enjoy that for the foreseeable future i always feel bad that he has to do that i don't think he, he ever has to apologize for anything he fucking he's one of the you know creators of our art for god's sake um people should be grateful and shut the hell up and just enjoy his comedy <laughs> that they get for free but that's yeah. just my opinion but the comedy cool club thing is that so. every time that happens every time he has to apologize for something he comes up with like the most awesome video to respond to it like, when people freaked out over the Let's Play video that he made, and in response he made the uh, James and the Giant Peach review, again, one of his very best videos, and it came as a response right. to this unbelievably horrible reaction to something that he did not intend to be insulting in any way. Um,
0: so I got a couple questions for you. Go for it. You, sir, are a comic fan. Yes. Of course. What is the first comic that you read that made you like surrender to the all knowing will of great comics?
2: Okay, um, it's funny because I literally shot a video today explaining all that. Um, wow. so, uh, okay, but no, 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 I'm go- I'll, I'll be happy to reveal it here first, exclusively on your show. Um, no, Sweet. my uh, my uh, venture into the world of. Comics actually began when I was seven years old. My grandma was a librarian, and uh, we didn't have Google back then, or we didn't have internet, so we never we needed to find out anything. We'd go to her library, whether she was working that day or not. We'd go to her. So I spent a lot of hours at that library, and at her library, they had comic books. Yes, they had comic books at the library. So Best fuck you, Frederick Graham, uh, <laughs> <laughs> saying that comic books are not literature. Fuck that guy. Anyway. <sighs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, so they had comic books there, um, and they had a lot of old stuff. Like, this was in the 80s, but they had a lot of old stuff from the Silver Age, just tattered copies of JLA and X-Men and Fantastic Four, all the quintessential comic books, and I got to read them for free during the many hours that I got to spend at that library with my grandma while she was running her errands or working for the day. Um, And that's the place where I decided... I like DC comics more and that's where I became Yes. Yes. Th- unfortunately, that was an era where the anti-hero was getting popular. Linkara makes fun of this all the time through the nineties <laughs> kid. Right. Um, because yeah, it was it was the era of the heroes with the big shoulder pads and the vandaliers and the guns that were bigger than their heads. Um, and yeah, I just the whole Rob I, Liefeld thing. I grew up in a shitty neighborhood where you know I would see people carrying guns and they definitely were not heroes. Um, so, th- I found the prospect of characters that were just straight laced good guys, very appealing as a child, so and that was d c comics d c comics was the home of all the you know wholesome good guys you know superman, superman Batman, Wonder Woman, green Lantern, you know they were all different, they had different contrasting personalities, but they all had the one thing in common. We do the right thing, no matter what um, so that 's when I became you know uh, official comics fan uh the moment that made me a hardcore uh comic collector however was a fateful day that i was at school and generally you didn't read comics at school because you get your ass kicked because right. that was little kid stuff uh, <laughs> like i said rough neighborhood yeah. um but i see all these kids gathered around this kid and i'm wondering oh what's happening over there and i go over there and this kid has a comic book op- spread open in his lap and all the kids are gathered around looking over his shoulders and the comic that he has opened on his lap is the infinity gauntlet and it's the, the splash. Yes, everybody was saying that. And, the splash <laughs> page, he, had it, and he had it open, the fateful splash page, that shows that enormous portrait of uh, Thanos' citadel. And he has killed every single Marvel hero. And they're all, all their bodies are spread out, decorating his citadel. And he is choking the Hulk to death in his hand. And I looked at that and I thought to myself, I need, I need to know two things. What happened before that moment and what's going to happen next? And that's the moment that I decided I need to be at the fucking comic book store every Wednesday without fail. <laughs> yeah. I need to know about this stuff. And so I asked my dad, you know, if, if I could go every Wednesday. And he, and he said yes, as long as he could walk me. Again, bad neighborhood. Uh, and yeah, and my dad would take me every Wednesday faithfully as long as I, you know, did my homework and did my chores and shit. And I, I became really good friends with the guy behind the counter. He thought, you know, I was just adorable because I was this little kid that just knew comic books inside and out. Yes, I always <laughs> talk like this, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, because of my experience at the library and just talking to this guy whose name I cannot remember to save my life. Just talking to this guy, to the, the guy behind the counter who resembled the comic book guy from The Simpsons a lot. Um, awesome. <laughs> we uh i that's where i got my comic book education and my just undying respect for for the medium so i'm just beside myself that we'd live in a day and age where it's just it's one it's cool to be a fanboy yeah it's a great two game. the fans are making the movies and the shows for the fans and three that we just have so much material so much media out there where there's a show or a video game or uh, a movie that's based on all these things that I that I grew up with and unfortunately were not cool when I was growing up and now everybody's into it. It's ridiculous. It is. Um so yeah, so I I just it's just a good time to be alive and be a fanboy.
0: Absolutely. It really is. I agree with you on that one. Are there any um big titles that you currently read every week or pick up every week still?
2: Unfortunately no because like I said in 2010 I went through that year where I had no money. So, um, canceled
0: all your subscriptions. Uh,
2: <laughs> so basically I've been playing catch up since 2011.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: So I've been, you know, keep uh, catching up with the stuff that I used to read and then eventually I'll I'll pick it up again. The most recent thing that I read right right as it was coming out was the Darkwing Duck comic. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I remember
1: I, that actually occurred to me as I was picking it up. I was like, oh man. I bet Blockbuster Buster's stoked for this shit. <laughs>
0: yes,
2: because it was Tad Stones producing the comic, man. They had him as a consultant. How awesome! How rare is yeah, that? It is so cool. yeah,
1: it is cool. It's so cool. It's usually when
2: they make a, a comic book based on an old cartoon, they don't care. It was no. an assignment given to the, the the comic book company you know but they they took it seriously they brought in tad and they brought him in as a consultant and um he told them what the show would have been if it would have continued and they took off and it's a literal continuation to the show so it's a beautiful thing to have if you were a fan of that
0: wow i'm definitely gonna check it out then
2: thank it's you thank you what, yeah, i'm not kidding it's worth reading the art is beautiful um, it's the, the first story arc is very similar to the Incredibles, you know, where superheroes were banned. Okay. But outside of that, it it goes into the whole Darkwing Duck style and the store, con- the continuation of the storyline, which is totally worth it. Um, they did not cut any corners. This is not like a cheap piece of shit comic book that they came out with in the hopes of banking on our nostalgia.
0: Well, thank God for that.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I was surprised. I bought it because I'm a fan, but I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. Because it was actually a good uh, piece of work.
0: Well, since you haven't really got... You're still trying to catch up. I don't know. I know you've probably heard how bad the new 52 is.
2: I, I actually had the great fortune of having a fan sent me a couple of issues of the first few comics that came out for that. And, and yeah, I was not... Uh, I was not very impressed. Right. And... I was supremely hesitant to watch the animated uh, JLA War movie, and yeah, it it just confirmed pretty much what I uh, my all my fears. I really basically. like what yeah.
1: they've done with Batman in the yeah, New
2: Fifty Two. I was gonna
0: say If you get a chance, the one thing that's they're not really screwing up at all is Scott Snyder's Batman. He's he's doing it justice.
2: Scott Snyder, is yeah. doing Batman.
0: He's doing Batman. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's 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 pretty good.
1: Okay, so the first thing you wanted to talk about, Disney is making a live-action Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie.
2: Oh, it's just those, those types of movies where it's, it's based on a cartoon from our childhood and uh, with the CG characters interacting with human characters. They're just destined to suck. It's it's, it's a universal law. People say that all uh, video game movies suck. That's debatable. But you can't debate this. You Dude, yeah,
1: I can't help but feel like this is going to be another, like, Smurfs or Alvin and the Chipmunks or Garfield.
2: Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah. Garfield, (sighs) yeah. Uh, All those movies uh, just, uh, they they mercilessly suck. And... And the reason I wanted to talk about this one in particular is because they're venturing into our realm. They're venturing into the 90s for the first time. Um, all the cartoons from the 90s that were made into movies were made into movies while they were still in the air. Right. This is them um, banking on the popularity, uh, not the popularity, but the nostalgia of the show. And people that remember it now have, have kids and will drag the kids to see it because they remember it. And it's a kid-friendly movie, so they will bring the kids.
1: Well, did you um, know that they were going to do a uh, Chippendale movie in 1991, an animated movie, but then it never happened?
2: It never happened, I believe, because um, Treasure of the Last Lamp didn't uh, quite do as well as they expected it to. Okay. Um, so they, they, I believe they changed to a different studio after that, and that was the studio that produced the first Goofy movie, which, again, didn't quite do as well as they hoped that it would do. Right. And, yeah, uh, Disney Toon, Disney Toon Animated, I believe I they were called. So, yeah. Now, I feel like um, if
1: Disney had announced that they were making a Chippendale Rescue Rangers animated movie, right now yeah. I would be like, oh, my God, I can't fucking wait.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And if they got Tad Stones involved with that, the creator, uh, That would be awesome. And you you can't tell me that he's not film tested because he he worked on Aladdin. You know, he worked on Beauty and the Beast. He worked (laughs) on a lot of the the biggest movies that Disney came out with um, in the 90s. So you can't tell me that he doesn't know how to put a three act cinematic story together. And again, he is the creator. He, He is the heart of the show. So, and all the voice actors are still alive, which is one of the things that I fear. They go, they'll get fucking Will Ferrell and uh, Drew Barrymore, right. <laughs> well, wait, <laughs> and, the, but, and the flavor of the week to to voice the characters.
1: But what if they get Harrison Ford and Tom Selleck to voice? And
2: you <laughs> know what? I, I love them both. <laughs> you know, they both they both tried out for Indy. Unfortunately, only only one could be Indiana Jones, and. Uh,
0: But they're not—they're
2: not the rescue rangers, you know. uh, You—you mentioned earlier how I have this affinity, this love for voiceover actors, and the reason for that is that those guys and ladies have skills that other on-camera actors will never possess.
1: Oh yeah, of course.
2: Um, Can you go up to Harrison Ford and ask them off the top of his head to do a scene from Air Force One? No, but you can walk my plane. He can, he can say that line, that one line, but if you go up to Rob Polson and say, hey, you remember that bit from Animaniacs? He can do it verbatim off the top of his head on command. Like, for example, he, he, he does these panels where he's with uh, Maurice LaMarche, The Brain, and he'll do like a full bit back and forth with Maurice without a script. But He just freaking remember these full bits. Like, they're this traveling comedy team. And again, and you come up to him in the street and it's the same thing, so you know it's not coached for the panel.
1: Um I would so, so much rather hear the original voice actors. I was kind of making a cheap crack at the, the fact that they were based off Indiana Jones and Magnum P.I. you know I Exactly, yeah. exactly. No, no,
2: you're you're one hundred percent right. But they're they're not Chip and Dale.
1: No, absolutely. <laughs> I, I would I would definitely go see that movie, but I would be thoroughly confused and I'd feel a little guilty about giving them my money.
2: I feel a little guilty about going to see a movie where Tom Selleck and Harrison Ford are walking around with a pants. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But again, that's just me. Whatever you're into, I I don't judge.
1: Oh, I wouldn't Uh, feel guilty (laughs) about that movie at all.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. One thing I do
0: have to say about that is I read in an article that they were doing it because of this – success of the smurfs and the alvin and the chipmunks and the only thing i could think of was
2: define success yeah, define
0: success just because parents aren't paying attention and they're bringing their kids there that's a fantastic there.
2: example that you brought up there the alvin and the chipmunks actors the voice actors are alive they were consultants on the fucking movie
1: <laughs> <laughs> but not not so, considered for like, the role mean, well,
2: why, why are you not not using them you know they've voiced these characters for like what three decades now this is, you know, it's this like it's like, uh, Beck-Disser- Ross Beck, Jr. and his wife. You know, voice the the three chipmunks <laughs> <laughs> for the past three. What what made them unworthy to, to do it in the movie when the chipmunks are basically doing the same stuff? It, there, it's not it's not Shakespeare for God's sake. But th- these are my fears before we finish with okay. this one. Once yeah, they'll get celebrities please. to voice them. Absolutely, um, that's that's the first thing. Um, B the sophomoric humor because they. The chipmunks, Alvin and Chip. uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Chip Chip and Dale were That's okay. I
1: almost uh, made that mistake. Yeah, they were
2: not about the necessarily a comedy. They were this, you know, very uh, heartfelt adventure. That's truly what it was. I mean, they were these tiny little chipmunks, and they were going out of their way to help people, right? Uh, And usually human beings that didn't know that they were helping, which I thought was very selfless. And beautiful that they would go out of their way to help people without them knowing about it, them being able to thank them for it, and them receiving a reward for it. And I'm just afraid that that's a, oh, it's going to be like dick and fart jokes all the yeah, way. It's going to be swept um, under
1: the rug in favor of jokes that are nothing more than acknowledging that iPods and Facebook exist.
2: Exactly, and again, the 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 oh, contemporary wow, humor. And last, and last but not least, you know, the final thing is that they'll add uh a knock to the movie uh non-threatening adolescent white kid uh, <laughs> which is which is uh definitely yeah. obligatory in all these damn movies and they never had that they never had a human they interacted with ever with the minor exception of dr nimno who was a villain yeah um who should be played by paul giamani by the way oh my uh, god that'd be so cool <laughs> <laughs> Casting couch yeah, <laughs> yeah, Man, that, just for you buddy Impromptu, right up the top of my head <laughs> From the top of my dome, direct to you Um, he, he, and that, that's it Now that it. you Those mention my, it, my, my he, he
1: wouldn't be a bad, uh, fat cat either
2: Well, fat cat is uh, Jim Cummings, man, don't even <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this
1: podcast Is over
2: <laughs> You don't know me uh, <laughs> that's uh like as you may already know he's my absolute favorite voice actor he he does all the voices that i wish i could imitate and that was one of those characters where it was like this classic um james bond villain but with that jim cummings twist but it still sounds right for animation
1: absolutely
2: Oh man! So Star Wars, old versus new. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and, and, and clarify that I'm an old school fan. Uh, my dad, yeah, but my my dad described to me seeing the first Star Wars movie like a uh, spiritual experience. <laughs> and my dad is not a fanboy so for him to say something like that basically what he told me and and this is it got me because i knew star wars existed you could not be a child of in the 80s and not know what star wars right. was that was just improbable unless you were amish um, <laughs> you knew what
0: it was but you probably haven't seen it yet in your life yeah
2: but uh yeah apparently you know when he was a kid he used to go to the the drive-in a lot but when you went to the drive-in um, you didn't go to watch the movie when he was a kid. You just went to hang out. You sat on top of the car with your friends drinking beers and you hung out. And nobody watched the movie. And he said that when he went to see Star Wars, the movie starts and the music starts and the opening crawl. Everybody's talking, not paying attention. Uh, Leia's ship flies by. Meow, nobody's paying attention. Suddenly, that Imperial Destroyer flies overhead and <laughs> the whole parking lot where the drive-in is located, shakes. Like, you can see the rocks, like, shaking on the ground, as he so describes it. And everybody shut up and watched the movie. (laughs) And he said, and I've heard this, other people tell me this as well, that when Darth Vader walked in, nobody knew who the fuck he was, but everybody started booing. They automatically knew he was the bad guy. That's crazy. And so that as a kid i was like oh my god this sounds like the best thing ever i have to see this <laughs> so I, I what i'm trying to express here is that i've i've had a uh, a very profound love for that franchise from a uh, a very early age um i did watch doctor who at the time but unfortunately nobody throughout my childhood knew what the hell doctor who was <laughs> so i had nobody to talk to about it but i could talk to anyone about star wars That's so that starting was to get always... more
0: mainstream popular
2: now. I know. Oh, Isn't Doctor that insane? Who is huge now. Isn't that freaking insane? Yeah. It's like the most downloaded show on iTunes, some bullshit like that. Oh my god. I, I is... never thought I'd live to see the day.
1: Who could have Only predicted? So years, right? Like who could have predicted 16 say, years? Say even 16 ten years, years ago, oh, who? who could have predicted that My Little Pony would be huge with ah. dudes <laughs> and Doctor <laughs> Who would be huge with girls? Like, whoa. Oh,
2: yeah. Totally yeah. turn the tables. Um, I'm telling you I went through a good well over twenty years of not being able to bring it up in any kind of a conversation like if I made a reference to it, people would stare at me with blank expressions um, <laughs> and yeah, it just felt like this thing that only I knew and only I appreciated and and people in Britain and me and that's it and <laughs> um, and uh and when I heard that it was coming back, I'm like, no, 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 I'm an old school fan. I'm an old school fan. I'm not going to like this new show. You guys are posers for watching this, <laughs> this new person. And, um, and that's, that's when I decided to watch all the old ones in order. Uh, so that's my rebellious gesture to the new show. And, uh, no. And then eventually I watched the the tenant era and it, it, it won me over and I went back and rewatched Eccleston and, uh, now I'm I'm, full, I'm fully back into it, and I'm blown away by how popular it is. So but, cool. um
1: What do you think of the new guy? He's I know he, they, he hasn't actually started yet.
2: Yeah, I, I can't, like I said, it's, I, I said this before, it's, it's impossible to put together an opinion on that. Right, that was a dumb is, question is, on my part. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's everybody <laughs> asks me the same question, so don't feel bad, because everybody keeps asking me. Like, I have this profound knowledge of how... Uh, Peter Capaldi's going to play the Doctor. Who the hell knows? Everybody's done it different. My favorite example is Patrick Troughton. Before Patrick Troughton played the Doctor, he was known for playing dashing heroes. He was the first actor to play Robin Hood on television. Um, And that was it. That short guy, that short little British actor was known best for playing action heroes, apparently. (laughs) And and when he went to play the Doctor, he just said, well, I'm going to do it in a way that I've never played a character before because I'm not going to have this job long. And I want to be fired as quickly as possible. So he decided to auto-sabotage himself by playing this goofy clown character that you would never suspect be a hero. And people loved it. <laughs> it totally backfired on <laughs> And people loved I mean. it. And he inadvertently gave birth to everybody playing the Doctor different. So we'll find out. We'll find out in the fall when the show comes back and we see Peter do it. But is, he, is Peter Capaldi a good actor? Fuck yes, he is. Am I worried that he's not going to be a good actor? He's not going to do a good job? No. But again, no opinion on how he's going to do it or whether he's going to be a good doctor. Do you want to know what I think is the attribute that all the actors share in common as far as uh, playing the doctor correctly?
1: I absolutely do.
2: Um, I think is the distinct ability as an actor to first say ridiculous, unfathom- unfathomable nonsense <laughs> like, is completely intelligible to you, and then turn around and look at something very mundane like a Rubik's Cube or a pinwheel with absolute wonder. And that's the doctor, where he is, his mind is beyond ours, but our stupid shit from our planet just blows him away as like, (laughs) this place is awesome, I'm gonna come here and land in London all the time. (laughs) Because... The crap that you humans invent, you know, for, so this, this... Magnificently, you know, otherworldly, brilliant being for for our stupid crap to impress him and the master. The master loves Teletubbies, apparently. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the sign so, of
1: a true fan there too—to be able to pick out something that probably. And even that, the to me, people... is the,
2: the constant between all the doctors.
1: And, like, they might not even have been aware of that. But, like, as a fan, you see this and you're like, oh, like, subconsciously even, that's, that's what they were like, doing. Like, uh, you know? Peter
2: Davidson, he's this dashing, cool, outer space hero. He loves to play cricket on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> really, like he has all these universes and worlds that he knows where all this cool shit happens from our point of view, but from his point of view, cricket's awesome. He's gonna wear a cricket uniform every day, all day, every day. <laughs> <Goshies>. <laughs> because cricket's awesome, and you can you can only find it on Earth. <laughs> so, so Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, we Star got it. Wars. Um, uh, so, yeah, um, I'm, I'm just happy that. Uh, as far as we know, they're bringing it back to basics. They're bringing it back to the rebellion. And, um, cause that was my feeling. Uh, that was my perspective of the prequels that, uh, most people love, but I don't, um, <laughs> that it just didn't feel like star Wars anymore. No. It's, it wasn't that, that group of intimate characters that you related to. They, they, um, they weren't diverse
1: characters. They, they were very, all just exactly formal. very diverse.
2: Yeah. Like, also, you know, it was hard
0: to, like, I don't know, like, sympathize or, or feel for them, at, especially with how whiny Aiden Christensen was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the gross understatement of the year. And um, Even, like, amazing
1: <laughs> actors, you know, Liam Neeson, Samuel
2: L. Jackson, just wooden yeah, performances. Yeah, you know, it, it, dri- it drive me nuts because at that time is uh, when that glorious show called Firefly came on the air, and they represented that diversity of characters a lot better than Star Wars, and that was killing me right. that, that this TV show that nobody was watching, unfortunately, uh, was getting the character dynamic correct as far as these characters, all with different opinions, trying to achieve the same goal. Um, and as a kid, I knew I was R2-D2, but I wanted to be Han Solo. And,
0: and well, being... a quiz on Facebook told me I was Han Solo. So, but then oh, well, again, you okay. answered it's those okay. questions I'm deliberately, I'm trying to saying get Han Solo. You can take that
2: post. I'm saying I want that post. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was the thing that we and the playground could have those arguments because they were all such specific characters. You know, uh, the so... the farm boy. You know the the rebel. Uh, Chewbacca was the wingman. <laughs>
1: I imagine you're pretty excited for Rebels, the new animated series I coming out. Actually,
2: I actually am. I've seen like 38 seconds of footage, and I'm already – I can't wait. More than uh, oh, my God. Vanessa Marshall's in it that used to play Black Widow and Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Um, she's in it, and uh, she's playing one of the Rebel like pilots. She's like an alien woman thing. Okay, yeah, and yeah, yeah i don't know what she is, but i i already i'm already liking that character i've only seen like ten seconds of footage of that character um so um yes, I am stoked it's one of the the shows that I'm looking forward to seeing the most this year
1: yeah me too It, it looks good The characters they look back to the whole the whole idea of these different diverse characters this camaraderie and you know not like in the prequels that was so lacking everybody was just incredibly formal um (laughs) there was you know it was just it just seemed like you were just watching one group of people that would normally be together (laughs) um yeah yeah, dude the uh the main character i can't remember any of the characters names but that kind of around the edges jedi and like the thief that he takes under his wing like just that relationship i'm so interested in seeing
2: let me put it this way those in those thirty eight seconds it's the first time in like over twenty five years that I felt like I was watching star wars again <laughs> right um that's the feeling that just that that little tiny sample that they gave us gave to me um so i i I love that feeling I miss it and I want it again so I'm, Definitely I think got to tune
1: in. that's also because like you have people, a group of people collaboratively that all love this source material that are all fans <laughs> of it creating yes. this. It's its telling that the Clone Wars series was so much better than any of the prequel movies because they were people that really appreciated, probably knew the source material better than the creator, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And of course Episode 7, 8, and 9, I mean, I, I, God, I hope they're not bad. I'm so hopeful.
0: And it's funny it, it because in 99 when uh, Phantom Menace came out, nobody had that like odd feeling of dread like, oh, this is going to suck.
2: I <laughs> did. You I did. I was probably the only person on earth. Probably were. Uh, like, basically what happened was my, my dad told me that story that I told you. And he wanted me to have that experience. So he's like, I'm taking you to Phantom Menace. It's going to be awesome. And like, my dad doesn't get excited about much. He's a super mellow guy. He's like, we're <laughs> going to see, but it's going to be awesome. Have you seen? And I had already seen the trailer and I didn't want to break his heart. But I saw the trailer and nothing about that trailer just looked like Star Wars to me. It looked like a fan trying to do his own Star Wars movie, it's what it looked like to me. Yeah. And just a lot of lasers and lightsabers and just no heart. And I was not excited at all. And we show up at the movie theater, and people are just up in the costumes. This is the first time I've ever seen that, by the way, where there's Jedi and Boba yeah. Fett's over there, and there's a bunch of Ewoks getting popcorn. It's nuts. Everybody's in <laughs> costume. And the movie, the theater goes dark for the movie to start. Everybody whips out their lightsaber but me. And the the whole movie theater is lit up with lightsabers. It's nuts. I'm like, wow, these people are okay shoot okay maybe maybe there's (laughs) something to this movie maybe i'm just being a grinch what the hell's wrong with me and so i go in with zero expectations and i was still like came out with like completely unimpressed and it's it was the weirdest experience walking out of that movie theater it was like we just walked out of a wake (laughs) it's like when nobody knows how to behave nobody knows when to say something or tell a joke still you know what I mean it's like everybody was really quiet just walking and I remember distinctly the sounds of our footsteps because nobody was talking and we walked all the way to the car we get in the car my dad pulls out of his parking spot we're about to leave the mall and my finally my little you know innocent cousin finally breaks the silence and goes that pod race was long (laughs) Oh I guess it was, Ray. Yes it was.
1: <laughs> this this scene better make it into the Michael Bay Blockbuster Buster movie. <laughs> in the little origin scene at the beginning.
2: And again, I mean I wasn't crushed because like, I didn't go in with a severe expectation. So when everybody else like started complaining about it to me, it's like I told you guys, I, I told you, I don't know what you're <laughs> you're crying to me for. <laughs> Jesus. Those so,
1: movies. I mean, how, how do you feel about the upcoming ones? How do you feel about episode seven? What do you think? I'm,
2: I'm super excited, um, especially because we, we have Star Trek movies, but no Star Wars. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, Star Wars used to ru- rule the movie theater. Nothing against Star Trek. I love Star Trek. Um, but, you know, like I said, I grew up with Star Wars, so that would always be my first love. Um, oh, yeah. So um, it felt, it really felt like, you know, the force was out of balance. and uh we we needed star wars to come back and i'm glad that um disney and jj abrams uh stepped in they just announced that um carrie fisher harrison ford and um mark hamill are all at pinewood studios they haven't signed anything yet but they're over there in england at pinewood studios so that that was like oh they're back they haven't signed anything but they're back so
1: so exciting
2: yeah exactly I'm, i'm really excited and and I know that, you know, they're only going to probably be in the movie as an advisory capacity and younger actors are going to be the main characters, but I don't give a shit just to see them be those characters one more time. You know, again, going back to Doctor Who, like seeing Tom Baker interact with um, Matt Smith as the Doctor just one last time in that very ambiguous scene at the end of the 50th anniversary that was, like, I, I literally, uh, you know, reenacted that scene from Ratatouille where Ego goes back to his childhood when he fights <laughs> into the, like And I was, like, a little kid with a towel wrapped around my neck that was supposed to be a scarf. Watching <laughs> Doctor Who in my grandma's living room listening to Tom Baker's deep, crisp voice giving uh, Elizabeth Sladen instructions to save the day. And, oh, my God. It was, and it'd be good to have that with Star Wars again.
1: I, I hear you. It would be yeah. I mean, I uh, I went to see Empire for the first time with my dad in the theaters, which oh. incidentally is my favorite. Yes. But I never really got to have that defining moment. I mean, by the time I saw Star Wars, I already knew the big reveal, like who didn't at that point that you know Darth mm-hmm. Vader's his father and like. I mean, I really enjoyed it, but I never really got to have that definitive experience. So, yeah. it would be really cool to go see this movie and not be disappointed with it.
2: That's, that's one of my uh, – Empire is one of my three movies that I wish I could wipe my mind and watch it without knowing what's going to happen. Right. Uh, it's just one of those Dad, the Matrix, and the usual suspects. I wish I could just erase my freaking memory <laughs> and watch it again for the first time. Unfortunately, that can't happen. Um,
0: <laughs> oh, my God. If uh, I could do that with the usual suspects. <laughs>
2: fuck, what a great movie, man. Singer needs to go back to making movies like that. Yeah. I know they'll make as, as big a money as X-Men. Which I enjoy, but my God, that he used to make fucking great crime movies.
0: Next, we want to talk about the DC animated shows, uh, maybe what we might want to see come out in the near future, or if you just want to jive about DC animated at all. <laughs> I, I, Is there anything you specifically want to see um, out there, BB? Because me personally, the main thing I want is for the uh, real Teen Titans and for Young Justice both to come back.
2: Uh, by real Teen Titans, you mean Glenn Murakami's version? Yes. Okay. Um... Well, you know, I I love that show. You guys know that I love it with all my heart. But I think it ran its course, and I like I said, it it should have ended with um, season four. But they wouldn't let it die. They just kept going with it and going with it. So yeah, I love the Teen Titans and I love that cast. But I, I think they're good. If they did uh, animated uh, one of their animated movies with that cast, okay, dealing that with another. Switching with another era, era of the Titans, you know, get those guys to play different iterations of the Titans. That would be fascinating to me.
1: I'm a, I have to show my belly here. I am actually see my relationship with Marvel and DC. Um, <laughs> I'm more of a Marvel fan, but A, I think Batman is better than anything Marvel ever has or will produce.
2: <laughs> 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 and, <laughs> with the MacGuffin that, belt. Oh, my God.
1: But uh, I also think that DC... Yes. Nathan,
2: if you ever meet Kevin Smith, that is the first thing you have to say to him. <laughs> oh, and he and he will talk to you for days. Uh, Kevin Four Smith days. is my idol. Yeah, Kevin Smith. Yeah, don't talk to him about his movies or any of that <laughs> shit. He doesn't care. Bring up Batman to Kevin Smith, and he will just go on and on and on. Oh, I about, know. I love. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's because every, every one of these famous people has that one big interest. Yes. And they never want to hear about the shit that they've done. They don't. They know it. Now, unfortunately, that's my mistake. Don't don't be me. <laughs> have a good time if you meet Kevin Smith. Just bring up Batman the way you mentioned him just now, with as much passion and zeal as you have for the character. Yeah, Batman is just one of those characters that, that strikes a chord with everyone, whether they're young or old, or whether they're into comics or not. There, I I know I used to have this coworker that was like this, you know, hardcore, you know, tattoo. Wearing, bling-wearing, you know, grill-wearing, you know, car with, you know, the spinners type of a guy. And he just thought Batman was one of the best uh characters ever created just like you he had a Absolutely. batman tattoo like a denny o'neill batman coming out of the shadows <laughs> on his shoulder and everything else was like a hardcore badass like devil tattoos and skulls and naked women batman like right <laughs> on his shoulder awesome <laughs> and well, I, I, mean, I just oh wow batman made it into the mix that's
0: i could uh, definitely get with that batman's my favorite
2: batman Whoa. bridged a relationship like we could not relate on any level except for batman
1: uh <laughs> well not only do they have Batman, I do think that DC, while I personally like Marvel's roster of characters better than DC's, right. I think that DC handles their characters and their content. Not always, but for the
2: most part better
1: than Marvel does.
2: Well, sometimes you're right. Um I think uh what what Marvel has is is that that keeps the characters fresh and, and as great as they've been they were in the 60s um it, it, it all comes down to three words um brian michael bendis uh <laughs> <laughs> that guy, my god like yeah. a lot of people say that he's the the current stan lee and a lot of people go oh no he's not And I'm like okay he hasn't achieved everything stan lee has achieved but as far as being that guy that like knows all the characters and knows how to tell their stories correctly and stay faithful to who they are yes he is the current stan lee that's who he is um and yeah that's they do they they have i'm always very impressed with how marvel has maintained that how i was seven years old i fell in love with benjamin j grimm the thing my favorite character and i i can pick up a comic book right now and he still acts the same way <laughs> he still yeah. talks about his aunt petunia and you know boys at yancey street and he's still <laughs> doing that he's still the same character and he can he can still pull out his iphone and fucking send a text but <laughs> still the thing (laughs) that hasn't changed um so that was beautiful Uh, unfortunately dc because they had such a heavy rotation of writers the characters went through uh severe changes from uh, the golden age to now until they finally settled into the personalities that we know and are attached to yeah, that's, I just think that's so cool that Marvel, you know, Spider-Man was always Spider-Man. He was always the uh, the guy that had every problem on Earth, but still put on the tights and uh, went out to help people.
1: Except for when he was Doctor Octopus. But we won't get into that right yeah, now because we'll be here all night. <laughs> that's
2: another one. Oh boy. Uh, well, so, <laughs>
1: so if I had a list uh, of what I wanted to see, it would pretty much just be Batman. And I'm not just going to sit here and go on and on about it, but. I mean, the three main things I would love well, to see...
2: This is what I want to know. What Batman specifically, because we'd had uh, several great iterations of, of Batman already, so what Batman are you still waiting to see? Oh,
1: well, I guess my, my personal favorite's Kevin Conroy. Um, that uh-huh. is what I hear when I read the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I guess the, the three ideas that I would really love to see done are, as far as a series... I'd love something that was, uh, you know, back to being aimed at... Now, not necessarily inappropriate for a younger audience, but, you know, appropriate for a mature audience at the same time. I'm not saying there needs to be swear words and nudity mm-hmm. and all that. Not that the comic ever had that.
2: No, exactly,
1: um, but just something Well, there that... was
2: one time that Papa offered to spank, but that was a whole other thing. <laughs> but I mean,
1: like, like, the 90s Batman animated was very clearly... You know, directed yeah, at both and, a young and, and a mature audience. And I
2: agree. And, and you know, I, j- I just said a few minutes ago that it's one of the greatest animated shows ever made. It's, it was the first animated show I ever collected.
0: Yeah. uh,
2: Because uh, it was just that good. I wasn't even that into Batman at the time. I just, this show is so good. I need to have these episodes. I need to watch them over and over again. There's nothing else on TV like it. I have to watch, because if I ever get the great fortune of becoming an animator, this is going to be my Bible. This yeah. is going to be what I refer to as, like, guys, this is good animation. What's on TV right now, shit, this good. <laughs> Let's do stuff like this. That's Not basically necessarily what's Batman. gone
0: through my mind, uh, <laughs> except for the animator thing. I've never had aspirations to be an animator. So,
2: But my, my feeling is that they did it. They did it well. And there, there's so many f- amazing uh, characters and and, uni- and worlds within the DC universe that they are yet to explore. Oh, yes. That they... I don't they want to barely, just see the same they thing They barely yet. touched upon uh, in Batman the Brave and the Bold, which that was one of the things that I enjoyed the most, that that show celebrated the whole DC universe, whether it was embarrassing, whether it wasn't, whether it was childish, whether it was greedy. They went there. I'm they, so
0: glad you brought this up, Erod, because I got to say, you did your honest review on Batman mm-hmm. the Brave and the Bold. I was one of those people that looked at it and said, eh, yeah, this can't be, it's stupid, whatever. And then I watched your review and I Mm -hmm. gave the show a shot, and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I I am so mad at myself for not, you know, just checking it out because it's Batman.
2: If you you guys want that experience that I had at the library as a child, it's that show. (laughs) It's that show, reading those ridiculous stories that made no sense, where aliens would, like, fucking land in the middle of Gotham City for no good reason, and Batman would deal with it like it was nothing. I, okay, well, I got a gadget for that. Let me go to the trunk of the Batmobile, and like, wow, this guy is prepared. Right. <laughs> and, and they would treat it with the utmost seriousness. They would not, uh, in spite of popular belief, they would not um, talk down to the reader.
0: And Dietrich Bader does oh, fantastic. Oh my God,
2: job he really does. Paz Delicato. <laughs> well, I would love to see girl.
1: <laughs> I would love to see Probably a get uh, into a...
2: Sightcar. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> that, was, that was justice. one of my
0: favorite ones, where, where Robin's trying to break away from Batman. and
2: Yeah. Oh, and incidentally, we talked about JLA Time Trap during one of the breaks. In that animated short, uh, well, not short, but animated short movie, um, Batman and Robin have that same relationship where Robin's like, I'm fucking, you know, I'm over 13 now, I'm <laughs> um, <laughs> Almost a grown up. Um, I so, can
0: drive my own car, Dad.
2: Exactly, <laughs> and he's played by the same actor who played Sokka on Avatar. Again, I know oh. you don't watch Avatar, but again, a great comedic performer playing Robin. Yeah, he did an amazing job. I wish I could remember his name right now.
1: Well, I would love to see a uh, like an animated Batman series that attempted to take its time. And actually go through the continuity, like the different Robins, the different eras in Batman's oh, history, all the different great I would like to see one
2: where it actually has the guts to tell the, the killing joke story Ooh. and have Barbara Gordon become the Oracle. I thought that was such an era that was so dark, but then there was a bright side to it where she became this amazing asset to Batman, and, which explained a lot how he could get around so easily and know so much so quickly. Um, because he had Oracle. this yeah. super intelligent woman feeding them this information and being his eyes on the sky. She's so uh, much
1: better as Oracle than Batgirl, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and uh, I, I I had a friend, well, not an acquaintance. Um, I don't want to say we hung out all the time, but we we had a, a good relationship in high school. There was a kid who was in a wheelchair, and he loved that character. He loved how that character was basically, you know, Batman's secret power. <laughs> oh, he's like, Oracle, I need this, and like bloop, bloop, she would just hit the, the keys on the computers, like, ah, oh, I got it for you, ready to go. That this is how you disarm a bomb. This is the antidote to the that venom you got injected with. This is this. Um and it's funny because in the 90s, every damn movie had that hacker character. <laughs> but oh, Oracle yeah, did
0: first. Absolutely. Uh
2: mostly plays by played by Justin Long. But um... <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that's the area of Batman that I I believe we haven't seen yet. Uh, Batman's spinoff that I would love to see as a show um, would be like an Adult Swim, like uh, Harley and Ivy animated oh. show where it's like it's like Thelma and louise and they're pulling off super crimes and yes uh, and
1: catwoman's gotta have a, a presence in of it.
2: course of course you know like gotham girls they would be supporting characters but it would be like you know during those times when they pull off jobs that are not quite on un- in batman's radar you know what i mean I those, those crappier that. those crappier heists that don't quite threaten the entire city or the entire world um that would be awesome and you know again uh the brilliant uh, combination of those two characters by Paul Denny, my God, you know, there's there's so many story possibilities of these two trying to be professional criminals, but sucking at it because <laughs> oh they get in each other's way, you know, because there's such contrasting personalities. That's
1: a fantastic um, fucking idea.
2: So that's, that's one of the, they, they did do a very, like a three issue series of Harley and Ivy and it was brilliant. And I'm like, why isn't this a show? And again, they could put it on adult swim, make it more adult oriented, Um, you know, like a, you know, like boondocks and a lot of the shows that they show and, uh, oh, uh, Cowboy Bebop is another really good example where it's, it's a great show, but it's a little bit more adult centric. And that would be like the part, like the Batman spinoff that I would love to see.
0: That would be great. brilliant. I
2: um, would also really
1: like to see the long Halloween adapted, but only... You
2: bastard. You oh. bastard. You
0: took my... Oh, ass. is that what you were just about to say? <laughs> I was. I was, wow. was going to say, and like Dark Victory. It's like a two-part movie. you he was going to take
2: all the Batman shit. <laughs> but you only... Knew... He, he should have known Batman's my thing. Only if they <laughs>
1: imitate Tim Sale's art style, though. Like...
2: <laughs> Gosh, what else? Um, Blue Beetle? Would you like to see a Blue Beetle series? You, you read my freaking mind. Oh, Stop doing that. Oh, God. Uh, but not Blue Beetle. Uh, Blue and Gold. Blue Beetle and Booster Gold.
1: And Gold. Gold oh. What uh, a team up!
2: Because that, that is, like, it's the lethal weapon of comics. It's yes. that, those two, yeah. again, uh, like I said, I love that, that idea of the buddy cop comedy. But, again, these guys are the last two people that should be superheroes. But they yeah. still do it. They still do it, and the cool thing about uh, Beetle and Booster is that they bring the best out of each other. They don't—they don't intend to, but they do. You know, Beetle accidentally makes Booster more noble, and Booster accidentally makes Beetle a little bit more um, ambitious with his pursuits. So, and I love that. I love how separated, they're all right. Together, oh, they're so the, uh, <laughs> They definitely
0: have great chemistry together in anything I've seen with them already. Like that in was... the, the Batman Brave and the Bold episodes with the two of them in it.
2: <laughs> Will Wheaton <All> right. playing <laughs> Blue Beetle.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Will Wheaton, you're another guy we're going to try to get on this podcast. <laughs>
2: I, I hate Wesley Crusher more than I hate life, but I love Will Wheaton. He is that's, such that's a talented fool guy.
0: Right here, like, Wesley Crusher who for me, but, like, fucking Will oh. Wheaton, man.
2: Yes. <laughs> and I like everything else that he's done, except for that. <laughs> except for the thing that he's known for. <laughs> From the Guild to him playing oh, uh, God, Aqualad. Oh, the Guild. The Guild is Aqualad such a and, uh, Teen Titans, the Teen Titans that you like. Uh, <laughs> um... So, yeah, oh, God, I wish you all the luck in the world. I hope you get him. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's like me. He loves talking about this stuff. He's a very accommodating kind of a dude.
0: I kind of would like to see an established uh, question teaching Rene Montoya everything.
2: I would love that, too, man. I would love that, too. Uh, more than anything, you know, Rene Montoya being one of the very few Hispanic uh, superheroes, you know, in all of comics... Um, and I also love the question. Steve Ditko, for God's sake, you know, yeah. uh, created Spider-Man's costume and his look. during the first issue, uh, created the question. Uh, what a great character, this no-face conspiracy theorist. Really, um, so, absolutely, and I love absolutely. conspiracy
0: I would... theories, and, and just like to see a hero that's like unraveling before you and trying to make sense out of the smallest things, like Kleenex companies or. You know, and stuff they're putting in the control lines. I love the
2: idea that you know he his cases uh, are very mundane on the surface. Like he's at a Peeps factory on Easter, and it turns out this like a uh, Satan worshiping cult. (laughs) Living, he's like, whoa! It's like it blows your mind every time, and that that's the beauty of it. That uh, you never know where it's going to go. It's like a like a '90s Simpsons episode. It starts completely different than the way it ends. Oh, so absolutely. Um, especially if Renee is involved. If even if it's the question by itself, by all means. Yeah, not gonna be
0: picky. We'll take anything. But I would love to see that.
2: Absolutely. Okay, I can. If everybody had their say, I think we're good.
1: All right. All right, so with them having cast Ray Fisher as Cyborg and Gal Gadot (laughs) as Wonder Woman, and not even 24 hours before we started recording this, they announced that the Justice League movie will officially be the follow-up to Batman vs. Superman. (laughs) Let's talk about what we would like to see from a Justice League movie.
2: Okay, I just want to make it clear that uh, uh, I'm done talking about the actual movie that's coming out. Okay. um yeah i'm just letting you guys know that it's just uh, th- there's bad blood there and i'm already embarrassed <laughs> myself enough times on the internet uh complaining about a movie that hasn't come out yet you want to go for so so uh, <laughs> yeah so I- i'm gonna refrain from saying something about the movie itself now as far as what i would like to see well i i think it's plainly obvious i mean i would like uh fateful adaptation unfortunately that is most definitely not what we're gonna get (laughs) from just yeah just judging by the cast and the director's style if he proves me wrong then he proved me wrong but it really doesn't seem like he is um with his casting choices and uh and a lot of the announcements that they made about the film so that would be mostly it i i really want the magnificent seven you know to to be together and and stop this Threat that would, you know, stump the Avengers. Cause that's what the Justice League did. The Justice League would handle like crap that was ridiculously impossible. Like what? the Avengers were street <laughs> heroes and the fucking like, Justice League would travel to like other dimensions and would fight angels from heaven. <laughs> and they fought and then like in, an the episode. Next, in the next issue, they would be separated from their superhero egos into their and their uh, and their you know, secret identities, and now they have to team up with their secret identities to like stop a genie from granting Lex Luthor a <laughs> wish. It was nuts. It was just freaking nuts. <laughs> And uh, and that was the kind of like ridiculous high concept stuff that the Justice League would handle. What differentiated them from the Avengers, which I love the Avengers, but I I'm just afraid that they're going to make a Michael Bay clone of the Avengers movie, yeah. uh, which is really looks like the way that they're headed, like with more explosions and even more of the city is destroyed than in Man of Steel. So that those are go ahead. Oh, um, I just
0: want to say. Where the hell is the love for Aquaman? Please.
2: Yeah. Ah, Let's
1: get him He gets such a bad rep. Aquaman's cool. His powers are cool.
2: They did cast cast Aquaman. They mentioned that they were, uh, they had somebody, they were about to cast, but they were trying to see if Matt Damon wanted to do it. Oh, really? (laughs) They're going to have Matt Damon and Ben Affleck together. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is not a joke. Again, I'm going to try to refrain from saying anything about it. But... Yeah, Aquaman is, is one of my personal favorite characters. I always, so always liked him. I watched the 1970s cartoon when I was a kid uh, uh, from the Superman Aquaman Action Hour. Uh, he's just one of those characters that, due to the Super Friends, uh, has this terrible reputation uh, when he's not. When he's one of the most powerful characters in the DC Universe. Right? Uh, it, a guy you definitely want in the Justice League. I want
0: to thank you for the video you did on the 10 reasons why Aquaman's a badass. Every yeah. Like, you have no idea. Like, everybody I would talk to, they'd be like, Aquaman's lame. And like now I just like posted that as a video response to everybody.
2: <laughs> like, oh, fan yeah? Fan.
0: Listen to this.
2: <laughs> there was a fan that asked me, it's like, oh, did something happen? Did you have a terrible argument with another reviewer? And this was some kind of an ultimate rebuttal? And I go, no, this is an ultimate rebuttal to an argument I've had all my life. Right. It's not it's not new. <laughs> it's new and, recent. And it, it, it burns my balls that at a time when you can just pick up your phone and fucking have the internet at your fingertips right there in your the palm of your hand that people can just go, oh, okay, well, Aquaman really doesn't have the one power. He can do all these things. And people are still under that uh, unfortunate uh, misconception that all he does is talk to fish and swim. Right. <laughs> it's like,
0: put him on land and see what happens. Yeah, whoop your ass still. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I used to have uh, this comic that I would carry with me. I cannot remember why, if it was a Justice League comic or what. But it was a comic where uh, Deathstroke tries to ambush Aquaman in this building that's falling apart. And Aquaman whoops his ass. He just beats the crap and just uses him as a mallet to finish tearing the building down.
0: And Deathstroke's badass, too. (laughs) Yeah. and,
2: and And for that reason, I think they were addressing that ongoing joke of people underestimating the character. And because Deathstroke, you know, he's so full of himself, he thought he could handle it, and Aquaman just turns the... You know, all puns intended. Turns the tide on him. You know, he he shuts down all the lights, but hey, Aquaman can see in the sea's depths. You know, he can see in the dark. So, with no lights, he still beats the shit out of Death. Um, well, back when Deathstroke was mortal, apparently, you know, an identity crisis, he could beat up the whole Justice League with one arm tied behind his back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But uh, thank you for that. I just I love that character, and it was just uh, a delight to see John DiMaggio play him on uh, Batman oh, The Break the Ball. absolutely.
0: John DiMaggio is one of my favorite voice actors, so
2: huge what a Futurama ball of fan. Energy. Jesus Christ. That's another guy that you say one sentence to him, and he'll just go on and on and on and on and tell you all the things you want to hear, do all the impressions you want to see, and just give you all this energy for free, for free. He's not acting. He's not getting paid. He doesn't owe you a damn thing, but he, he's so grateful for what he does. He's so grateful of his fans that he treats us like like royalty. It's wonderful.
0: Oh, that's, that's good to hear. I wanted <laughs> him to be a good guy so much. <laughs>
2: you know, he, he, he's a funny jerk, but again, he's good to us. He's good to us. Yeah, I'm just... Uh... I'm, in fact I'm gonna make this announcement right now. I am gonna see Superman vs Batman. I'm gonna give it a chance.
0: I think we all are. Uh, anybody... I, I'm
2: gonna give it a, a good I'm gonna give it the old college try. I'm gonna be yes. be a good sport. I'm gonna go watch that movie at the movie theater when it comes out. However, if that movie is what I think it's gonna be, I'm not watching the Justice League movie. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. I'll tell you that it's going on the blacklist so with Bays Ninja Turtles. If... Uh, I'm not I'm not gonna have that. I'm not gonna be a party to that. Uh, growing up Growing up as a kid, uh, Justice League and Ninja Turtles were the first two things that I made a conscious choice. I'm going to like this. It wasn't that subconscious like commercials made me like He-Man or whatever, or Teddy Rockspin, or whatever it was right. popular. Oh, Teddy
0: Rockspin's a creep, so let's just not even well, go with that thing. Well, that, well, that well all Teddy, well, Teddy
2: Rockspin um, yeah, issues that we can have aside, <laughs> 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 the Turtles and, and and Justice League were the first two things that I consciously made a choice. I like these two things. I'm going to be a fan of this, so it's it's very precious to me. And and you know, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a party to it. I'm not gonna promote it if I don't believe in it. Because Amen. I even even movies that I say bad things about in my videos, um, people go people see them because I mention them. Whether I say this is the worst movie ever, and people go, it is. Let me see if I it really see. is. So I really don't want to be uh, promoting it in any way possible, even if it is saying that it is the worst movie ever in a video. Uh, I, I'm not going to do that. So yeah, if Superman versus Batman is any indicator, then Justice League is done for me as far as the movies concerned.
1: Now, what would you, if it was in your hands uh what do you think you would place as the central conflict or central antagonist in the Justice League movie? Well, um the justice
2: League is um is from the sixties, and it was um it was a very paranoid era, and that is evident in the fact that their first real villain was starro, a bad guy that can control other other people and you don't know who to trust. Right. Um so well, just don't I, trust the person with the star
0: on their face.
2: Well, the star can be uh on your chest under your shirt.
0: Right.
2: So it, that that's the big reveal at you know the third act. Don't give it away. When the star crawls <laughs> out of the president's shirt and it goes up to his face and oh my god, you know, the president was screwing us all along. Um but it it was because Starro had him under control. So that's the way I would do it. I would use Starro not as the villain but as the threat and have that um, McCarthyism um, plot going throughout the movie where people don't trust the Justice League. They're too powerful. We don't know what to do to superheroes. And now it got worse because now they're teaming up. Now they're a gang of heroes. When they were individual, super-powered, godly beings, now they're this gang that lives in this ivory tower in space looking down on us. And people are just terrified of the League. So the movie would be about them proving themselves as... This necessary force for these horrible things to come from beyond the stars, you know like starro or eventually Dark side or the White Martians or whatever it might be, um, because that's what they Darkseid. are they they are necessary heroes for these impossible threats
1: absolutely sets the stage. I like it
2: and again, it would because there is no loki because there is no bad guy that we have to spend a lot of time with, it would give more time to flesh out the League members and how they interact with each other. Um, And also because Starro can possess characters, it gives a magnificent excuse for the heroes to fight each other.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and not trust each other and have these Except, disputes there you go, and there you conflicts. go. Because that's the major
2: problem. It's like they're so different. You know, Hal is the space cowboy who 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 never thinks he's wrong. You know, and Wonder Woman is this uber feminist. Batman's this loner vigilante who thinks they're all buffoons in colorful costumes, <laughs> um, and so on and so on. But again, they have that one thing in common where they have the best intentions uh, in mind. So you know, when everybody's afraid of them. All they have is each other to turn to, um, and that's that's the thing that brings the league together. They, they are the on, they're the only seven characters in the DC universe that can relate to each other. Everybody else is like a you know a B B list hero or a sidekick or an apprentice. Um, but when it comes to it, those are the seven that sit around that round table and talk to each other and can relate to each other because they have that amazing. Even Batman, with all the knowledge that he has, it's it comes with a price um it's you have to use it with responsibility so they can only relate to each other and that's the bond that they have and that's why they are the specific justice league members that are usually always at the core
0: and at some point would you like to see uh maybe cameos or so from other like affiliates of the justice league like the from international or like from maybe unlimited like other lesser characters that became affiliated with them
2: absolutely absolutely like what we're talking about like it's a speculation as far as what the first movie would be you know uh, if, if this movie that's coming out is the worst movie in the world it doesn't matter there's gonna be sequels um <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna there's gonna be sequels so yeah and of course you know i'm, a, I'm an uber fan man i i was at the edge of my seat when um, Oliver Queen provo- finally proposed to uh, Dinah Lance, <laughs> and they finally got m- got married in the comic, I was I was like a like a housewife, you know, watching the the wedding episode of the soap opera. It was just you know beyond excited that these characters finally moved on to this next step. Um, and I, I love those two. I love the I love every silly member that Justice League has ever had, you know, from Firestorm to Mister Miracle it's a plastic to Plastic Man. Plast- Plastic Man was another one that I loved. I used to watch the, the Lou Scheimer cartoon when I was a kid, uh, where it was like the uh, Plastic Man action hour, and it was just ridiculous. It was Scooby-Doo without the dog, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man that was the the delight of watching those two final seasons th- excuse me three final seasons of justice league when they went on limited and i would re- i would record the episode and then rewatch it and like pause every scene where there was a group shot yeah. and name every character like what is where is waldo i would just name off like there's obsidian and there's our man and there's this guy and I was just boom 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 naming them <laughs> off like, they're animated ah! you would never expect to see those you know third stringer characters in a cartoon. Right, right. And like I said, I grew up with like the silliest of the DC characters. Like Buena Beast, I never thought the Buena Beast would ever be in a cartoon, let alone be like the central character in a storyline. Oh yeah, uh, that
0: was uh, the Starro, Brave and the Bold episodes, right? He he wasn't
2: one of those, and he wasn't a Unlimited episode in the Starro episode that you mentioned, the Coming of the Conqueror. Uh, he was played by uh, Michael Kev- Kevin Michael Richardson. Um, Dude, are, and... are you
0: sure you're not looking these things?
2: Up? <laughs> no, there's no tricks. There's no, it's like Apple door on uh, mind is uh, Sherlock. Just like it's a all, library. it's all in my, it's all in my brain. Like uh, I talked to my uh, father-in-law, and my father-in-law says one thing, and then sits back and smiles because I just go off. You're... He was like, "Hey, Eric, they came out with a Lone Ranger movie," and I just boom, 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 and I was like, "Oh, the Lone Ranger! You know, You're TV like series came out in Google. 1933," and I just go on and like Clayton Moore used to play the Lone Ranger. Blah 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 blah, and he just smiles. <laughs> he just looks at me like it's a parlor trick. <laughs> but like in like uh a lot of trolls are like, "Ah, oh, this guy's got it easy. All he has to do is go on uh, Wikipedia and look up stuff and then say it in a video." Mm. Fuck you. Not, uh, no, I don't I don't no, need Wikipedia, but
1: Don't get it twisted. That's what we do. For, that's what me and idea. Craig do. <laughs> this is all actually in this guy's head.
2: I I don't know and I don't know why. I just like I absorb that information like I hear a character's, you know, real name his alias once and I just remember it forever. Um, well, hell, oh, man. man,
0: you're going you're, you're gonna to do crazy in one round at Bar Trivia some night.
2: Uh, I can't <laughs> play that with my wife, by the way. <laughs> I'm not allowed. <laughs> we'll play one round. We'll, we'll buy a game, and it'll have the trivia questions and cards. We'll play one round, and I'll remember every single question that I ever got during the game. So when you play a second round, if I ever get that question again, even if it was something that I didn't know before, <laughs> I'll know it the second time because I just absorb worthless crap into my brain.
0: That's your superpower. And it's
2: funny because if it's something really important like the antidote, I won't be able to remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you guys get bitten by a rattlesnake, you're done. I you know, <laughs> do not remember what the thing is that will save your life. Uh, we'll, we'll uh, ask you for know, help. But you want to know – plastic man's alter ego yeah. <laughs> back when he was a gangster <laughs> before he got shot help, and several times fell to the vat of chemicals i can <laughs> tell you that it's ill e. o'brien anyway <laughs> oh um, lord but that was one of the reasons why i started to consider doing the show was because a, a really good friend of mine joshua brought uh who played um darth lucas in the 100th episode he pointed that out to me he said Eric, people come up to you and ask you uh, about movies and TV shows, and they just sit there and listen to you. <laughs> Whether you're right or wrong, they don't care. They're just uh, um, entertained by hearing you talk about it, your perspective on it, and your, your blabbing about it and your knowledge. And that's when I first noticed it. Like, I went, you know, most of my life oblivious to this fact. But it was true. Like, we, the per- place where we worked, people would go out of their way. All the younger coworkers would come over to where we worked. And would go, hey, what did you think of that Spider-Man two? And I would just blah, blah, and I would just say what I thought about it. They would laugh their ass off and then leave. And Josh would tell me, dude, they're repeating exactly what you said three floors down, like they came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> they came like up you here, bastards. They, They came up here, they stole your lines, like Cyrano de Bergerac, and they're repeating it, now they're (laughs) impressing people. Like, they came up with it. You should get paid to do this. That's so cool. (laughs) I was like, okay. I doubt that will ever happen. (laughs) And there you go, and here we are. And here we are now, yeah.
0: Uh, I don't know if if you were under the impression of something different, but you're not getting paid to be on here, sorry. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Was I supposed to mention that in the beginning?
2: God damn it! I gotta call my agent. Hold on, Paul's McGee. He told us it was cool. It was like over two hours now. It's not. My God! I'm like, okay, let's, let's 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 wrap this fucker up Sorry. because time is money and money is time. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> we can move on to the next topic. Let's do that. Let's do that. All right. Because I can uh, bitch about the non-existent Justice League movie forever, and let's not. Let's not. Let's do talk. That let's talk about happy things.
0: You're, you're a busy man. You got things to do.
2: Well, you know, it's, there's only enough bitching you can do as a fanboy. It's my opinion. I think there's enough enough of that on the internet as it as it is for guys' sake. So, yeah, let's talk about happy things. Let's talk about things that we enjoy and should be grateful for.
1: And on that point.
0: Marvel Phase Three. Um, all the upcoming Marvel stuffs. Ooh. What do we want to see?
2: That's that's what I want to know. Tell tell me guys, what what would you want to see other than the obvious sequels to the characters that we already have? Like what would you want to see next make their grand first appearance on the on the silver screen? Well, I am
1: very excited that They're supposedly talking about doing a Doctor Strange movie. I think that would be awesome.
2: Um, That's my top ten favorite weird Marvel characters that's just not uh, used enough.
1: In the comics, he's used enough. But in any other media, you barely ever see him.
2: Yeah, he's always guest starring and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Even in, like, Ultimate
0: Alliance, he's a guest star.
2: Yeah, exactly. He's an unluckable
0: character.
1: And an R rated Deadpool movie. People have been talking about it. I think that would be great, but without the right to use stuff like mutants and aspects of the X Men franchise, which are, of course, owned by Fox.
2: Even if there's there's nods to that, as long as it's, um, you know, raw, unfiltered Deadpool with, you know. That's what it needs to be, too him talking it, it needs to be an absolute you know balls to the walls no mercy gory ridiculous comedy that just has yes. just shows no mercy that it, it cannot it cannot wear kid gloves and if marvel wants to release it under like a different label or whatever i respect that since now the cinematic universe is associated as like family entertainment yeah um i totally respect that you know if they decide to release it to like maybe Lionsgate or something like that like they did with punisher Um, but, uh, yeah, as long as it's that, it's the unapologetic Deadpool that will, you know, shoot a guy in the head just for saying that Jar Jar Binks is cool. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's, I'll be happy with it. Like I said, uh, the, the wonderful thing about Deadpool and why I think it worked and why so many people responded to it is that way before South Park, um, Deadpool was the entertainment source where nothing was sacred. He made fun of everything. He used every kind of humor, it, whether it was dirty, whether it was you know, um, uh, whether he's an, anti-woman. Uh, you know, he would go there. He would go in that direction uh, without any care and you'd forgive him because you feel, Oh, the character doesn't know any better. He's this deranged killer. <laughs> we never expected him to be good.
0: Oh, it's okay. That's uh, just
2: first, Deadpool rambling. It's just Deadpool being, rambling, being an idiot. Um, and of course the, the wonderful thing about Deadpool is because he's basically immortal. He's usually, uh, chastised and castigated for saying all these horrible things and treating women like objects and doing what he does and saying what he says. And then he regenerates and comes back and it's still annoying. Um, <laughs> So that, you know, so it's 50-50, so it's not like the character has no consequences. Um, Well, I I agree 100%, so definitely Doctor Strange. I
1: I would also really like to see Runaways. Have you ever read Runaways?
2: I've read parts of Runaways, and I definitely see The Appeal.
1: I enjoyed it. It's been a good, ooh, I don't even know, approaching a decade since I've read it, but...
2: Just pick up the rest, man, because kind of like that Star Wars Rebel clip that I was talking about, I just saw a few pages, and I was thoroughly impressed just with the dialogue alone. It's good. I I mean... I didn't didn't even get to an action sequence.
1: Oh, yeah, Um, definitely read it. When you get to, like, the twist and everything, uh, it's definitely fun.
2: Probably one of the best, uh, just pages, one of the best written pages I've seen in a long, long, long time. Uh, the movie that I want to see is a Mark Ruffalo Hulk movie.
1: Yes, okay.
2: with like rid- with like the ridiculous Hulk universe where all the bad guys are gamma villains. <laughs> and, uh, okay, it's got the leader, and you got uh, Abomination, and they made a quick mention of Abomination in um, Agents of Shield. Oh, really? Uh, they said how they said how he's being kept in this underground uh, facility uh, somewhere in the Arctic. Um, frozen or something. They just made uh, Phil Coulson made a quick mention. It's like, hey, if you don't straighten up, you're going to be on security detail guarding Emil Blonsky's cell, you know, frozen cell in okay. I don't know, Antarctica or whatever. And I was, that's the Abomination, mm, that's and nobody, cool. nobody in the room knows what I'm talking about or <laughs> uh, why I'm excited. But uh, so they already established that the Abomination is still around. He's still he's he's there. He exists, so they can bring him out. So that's what I want to see. I really fell in love with Mark's interpretation of, of Bruce Banner and consecutively the Hulk because he actually played the Hulk in the movie wearing a capture motion suit. Oh, yeah. Um, so I want to see a full movie just focusing on him and him figuring out how to you know, harness his power for good like Bruce Banner's always trying to do while he's not trying to find a cure. Um, and just it, it was a combination of two things. It was a combination of Mark's performance and Joss's writing. So I think that combination, that flavor worked perfectly. So I think it should be a collaboration of of Joss's people, you know, the people that worked with him on Buffy and Angel and whatnot. Because Joss is busy doing bigger things now, unfortunately. So like, I don't know, get Jane Espenson to write it and Drew Goddard to direct it, that sort of thing. Um, People that really know his style and really know what he was trying to capture with the Hulk and how he created that. Um, that really can really capture Joss's voice, because that's really what what blew me away. I'm like, how are we gonna, you know, like this guy in one movie when he's surrounded by all these, you know, superheroes that we already know really, really well, that actors who have already played the characters in several movies, and they pulled it off. And the minute that he shows up, you like him. And you're like, he's Banner. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, he was great.
2: In, in reality, he's too big to be Banner, but you don't care. Like his <laughs> attitude, he's so introverted and awkward, and it's like that's a guy that spends half his day in a lab looking through a microscope.
0: It'd be that's, so refreshing to see a good Hulk movie. It would be,
2: yeah, exactly. And again, for because I think there the issue is I don't know why they have to go out of their way to try and make it realistic for some reason and have the Hulk uh, implement, you know, only be the only fantastic thing cuz the hulk comics were always ridiculously fantastic. They would call upon threats from other worlds and, you know, like uh, one of silver surfer's villains would like crash land in the desert and the hulk would have to fight him for an hour.
0: <laughs> and I mean, what you know, else the Abomination would like put the would, hulk like,
2: against. Yeah, the Abomination would like, you know, commission secretly commission an army of Hulkbuster robots to like kill the hulk and they're going to ravish this city to get to the hulk and <laughs> just crap like that, where we just haven't seen them go to the extra mile with the character, and now that we have this actor that fits the character like a glove, I want to see that. I want to see that on his own. Take the whole movie, put it on his shoulders, just like we've seen Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth do.
0: I would be interested to see them finally do a Luke Cage movie. Well, oh, they're doing a Netflix yes. series.
2: <laughs> what?
0: Yeah,
1: they're doing yeah. a Netflix series.
2: Yeah, Netflix has a contract with Marvel. They're producing, I believe, is um, four uh, like mini-pilots, and eventually they're going to all combine into one show, I believe. Oh. Kind of like what they did with um, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, where they have five episodes that just focused on the heroes individually. Right. And it's going to be four characters they're going to be focusing on. Oh. Luke, yeah, Luke Cage, Iron Fist jessica jones and daredevil that is cool go. and uh my pick my personal pick and my casting couch for uh, luke cage terry cruz is actually lobbying yes. to play luke cage on the show Very and perfect. i could never be happy, even if he doesn't get it the fact that he <laughs> wants it the fact that the guy that my my choice is actually say hey i want this and i want an audition for it makes me so happy right yeah, so
1: self he doesn't get it
2: at no, least no, i can terry say cruz, hey he tried so bad, damn it have no excuse michael c hall that plays um dexter, dexter. on showtime he he's uh lobbying to uh, be there that one. Okay, I was gonna say I, I if he's know, lobbying I to don't...
1: be Luke Cage, like, come on! I mean, <laughs> uh, it's wow. a
2: different, it's a different world. But I think for Luke p- Cage's first live action appearance, he should at least be African American. Yeah, Whereas, I mean, like, Human Torch okay. is one. If, if thing, they try, but... if they change it later on, if, and they have a good reason, that's a whole other story. Well, first live action appearance, could we please? <laughs> they the original creation. Michael oh C Hall is a
0: great actor, <laughs> but I don't know if he's that great. Sorry, who? Michael
2: C. Hall. Oh, Michael C. Hall. I I don't I, know how, I don't know how many things you've seen him in, but he's an amazing character actor. And Daredevil is, is basically three parts. You know, it's the vigilante, yeah. the, lawyer, the lawyer, and the feeble blind man that's pretending like he's you know needs help and needs help you know getting in his apartment and getting upstairs, but is really this badass martial artist. Robert. So it's those three characters, and if uh, Michael C. Hall has a great skill as being a character actor. Because in Dexter, he, ba- he both plays the incompetent, oh, um, nerdy Dexter Morgan, and then he turns around in the same scene. The and he's this a... poor serial killer that makes you pee your pants. Yeah, I love Dexter. Uh,
1: I can definitely I see him should. pulling off Daredevil.
2: So as far as him being a character actor, I think he definitely has the skill. Uh, are there better choices? Sure but if if they pick him, I would not be opposed to it.
0: Oh, I was talking. I was still talking about him playing Luke Cage. I don't know if he could oh. do that. <laughs> <laughs> Daredevil, perfect. I think you- I think he could do that
2: one. <laughs> oh Lord. Oh, what other Marvel movies do we need to see in Phase Three?
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, as far as Phase Three, I mean they can only do so much. I would really love to see them eventually start tackling. A lot of those Brian Michael Bendis arcs like Secret Invasion, Civil War, Dark Reign. But I know that's very far down the line.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're talking
0: it, like 2025.
2: And it really, it really looks like they plan to at least close this series of, uh, this ongoing storyline with the third Avengers movie. It really seems like that's what they're headed towards, which more than likely will be the comic book that made me a fanboy, the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Um, and and basically, what they, I've heard some rumblings of them like, a exploring other Marvel characters, and then possibly assembling a different iteration of the Avengers, like an, a different assemblage of the group. Uh, and on top of that, both Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans have said that once they've done with the third Avengers movie, they're done with the superhero movies, at least for the for a couple of years. Okay. So, uh, so that's that's another reason why I think they they're just at least these this particular line of storylines where every movie ends with a teaser for the next. Um, they're going to conclude that with um with um, Avengers 3. Okay.
1: But yeah, and you know they'll be doing something after that. And I'm
2: of, of course, of course.
1: I'm all for I mean I love Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, but I'm all for him, you know, cutting it out before it becomes too old like i think maybe hugh jackman's played wolverine a few too many times
2: oh he already said that uh (laughs) the next x-men movie not the one that's about to come out this coming month but x-men apocalypse that will be wolverine's last hurrah according to him now did you
1: hear they're killing off wolverine in the comics
2: exactly but i don't think that's going to affect the the movies like people are saying no no. no um if anything, it'll it'll make people want to see the movies more because now that, that'll be their only source to see Wolverine.
1: Yeah, for about a year.
2: So exactly and, and that's the other thing. Uh, you know, other than Uncle Ben and what Gwen Stacy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> who has stayed dead? <laughs> I mean, it's it was hilarious that year where Jason Todd came back and then Bucky came back, you know, just a couple of months down the line. And everybody was acting like it was a new thing. It was like, it just happened in Batman. What are you... (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, no, the great comic book characters don't stay dead. I I hope they come up with a good reason (laughs) for him to be resurrected. I feel
1: like lately... I I really loved a lot of what Marvel was doing with their their big arcs, but I feel like lately they've been relying a little too heavily on killing characters off and Mm -hmm. just teaming everybody up against an insurmountable threat. And I'd like to see them maybe... Mm -hmm. Give us some more, like, good literature about these characters.
2: And my big issue when they do those giant crossovers is that they rarely service all the characters evenly. It's like there's not a good enough reason to have that many characters there. I know this was an old cheesy storyline, but uh, Secret War, that was basically a comic book commercial, an advertisement for the Marvel uh, action figures that were out at the time, it was cheesy, but they picked each character specifically because they would service the story in a specific way, um, and they would all have a very specific uh, reaction to being marooned on this planet and being forced to fight this, these group of bad guys. So I I'm amazed that you know that story that was just meant to sell toys. They did take a great deal of care <laughs> as to which characters they chose to to be marooned on the planet, and then something like um what was the other one um secret uh, uh what was it the the crisis where everybody was a scroll what was oh, that yeah, one? Secret, secret invasion In- secret invasion thank you that was one where there was that shitload of characters and there was just no keeping up with them yeah oh i i want to take a moment to demonstrate the extent of my power i and would prove love that, that and prove, and prove that the things that i say are not rehearsed are you ready for this i'm ready ready okay right now Nathan is wearing a Chucky Finster shirt. I'm wearing a from Chucky the Finster shirt, yes. Okay? I know Chucky's first name and last name. He was played by two different actors. When the show started, <laughs> Chucky was played by Kristen Kavanaugh, that also used to play Dexter on Dexter's Laboratory. Yes. And in uh, Goslin on Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Uh, and Babe, and she won uh, that movie won an Oscar. Anyway, and uh, <laughs> Kristen Kavanaugh, for some unknown reason, dropped out of voice acting. And just disappeared, just left, just left the business, and other actors took over the roles. And Chucky Finster, after she left, was played by none other than Nancy Cartwright.
0: Bart awesome. Simpson. Love Nancy Cartwright. There
2: you go. Boom. <laughs> yeah.
1: you- Nerd cred and yeah. respect.
2: Do you want to close on that?
1: <laughs> We're not worthy. Dude. We're not, <laughs> not
2: worthy. <laughs> hey, where's where's your Wikipedia now, <laughs> troll? <laughs> Well, it's, it's hilarious, the claims that they make on the Internet. Like, um, Doug made that wonderful video about Animaniacs where he interviewed all the creators. And I was, I was, I was geeking the hell out because I, thought I, I was, thought I was the only one that knew who these people were. And the fact that he knew who they were and he knew their backgrounds and he was actually talking to them. And I'm like, oh, this is a wonderful video. And I gave him the five stars and I go to comment and the comments were nothing but vile. It was like, oh, he just stole footage from like a DVD, you know, uh, special features, and uh, and used that and spliced it together with his oh, questions. Man. I'm like, are you are you shitting me? <laughs> Paul Ruger repeatedly, you know, refers to him as the nostalgia critic. Yeah, and, like is that oh in the special God, features? <laughs> Jesus, the the things that people say is so disrespectful. So I get that a lot. I get like, oh, you know, you can just look at Wikipedia and. And you're cheating and all you do is, you know, read on a Wikipedia and regurgitate it and you know in front of a camera. But no, this is just a weird gift that I have. And like my dad says, no gift is worthless. You know, even the strange ones, there are no pointless skills. So uh, it's, miraculously, it, can, it comes in handy for this when I'm writing these things. Um, and the beautiful thing about doing the show and writing it is that I'll remember things that I've forgotten or I thought I'd forgotten you know I'll be doing uh I'll be watching the movie and remember like the show that it used to be adapted from and the old movies and people who worked on that and it's it's wonderful to revise that and the, sh- the show allows me an excuse to do that
1: man this has been absolutely fucking fantastic thank you so much
2: you're very much welcome it was a pleasure to do this i had lots of fun uh, I love talking about this stuff. Unfortunately, I don't get to do it with other people. I'm in a room talking to a camera <laughs> by myself. And it, it gets rather one-sided after a while because I only have so many personalities. And
1: <laughs> the, the pleasure was all ours. It so was... to,
2: to get to talk to you guys and get your opinions on things you know, from fellow fans is, is always wonderful and interesting whether or not we're on the same page. Um, it doesn't matter. To get feedback and to find out if people are concerned about the same things as you are, if you're looking forward to the same stuff um, is always great. So... With all due respect it is my pleasure to do this. You know I would do this for free every week if I could afford to, but unfortunately, busy guy uh, <laughs> Did you see that no, it was it was great Thank, thank you for having me
1: well you 're welcome. Thank you so much. Um, our listeners i 'm sure are equally appreciative uh, if you 're a new fan if, you're not, if you weren 't already familiar with the blockbuster buster, we really hope and i 'm sure he does too that you 're going to go check out his stuff. Uh, um his website you can of course find blockbusterbuster.angelfire.com but you can also see him on thatguywiththeglasses.com on Blip TV YouTube. Yeah.
2: See him on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube and Blip TV would be the best choices because all the new stuff uh goes up on there. I haven't maintained uh, my personal website in forever because this uh faulty web designer made me promises he didn't keep. Um <laughs> yeah. no names um. So hopefully yeah no names. <laughs> so yeah, those will be the best choices as far as to see my stuff. If you guys are still curious as to what exactly I do if you want a quick brief brief synopsis is is me uh, talking about movies very much in the style that I did in the show uh, and making a futile attempt at being funny. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's
1: not futile at all, man. You you crack uh, us up every week. We it's something both of us look forward well, to on a regular well, here, basis. Here's the
2: ultimate secret about me. Here, here's what a lot of people don't understand. I, I I'm a comedy snob to the extent where I don't think that I'm funny. Like people all the time. Oh, you're a funny guy. I don't. I seriously, I don't think that I'm funny. I don't walk around thinking I'm a funny motherfucker. You know, I don't do that at all. But the <laughs> um, fact yeah. is that think,
1: George Carlin probably and, didn't think he was funny. You know.
2: Well, that's the thing. I was about to say that and stop reading my mind that, yeah, that, you know, I think the term funny should be reserved for the elite, like people like George Carlin, for example, and Conan O'Brien and Weird Al Yankovic and so on and so on. Um, And I don't feel like I deserve that title. So but however, when I receive a cool fan letter uh like from a soldier in iraq telling me that you know for the 20 minutes that he was watching my video he forgot that some asshole was trying to bomb him oh that's so awesome. it's it oh my god i mean there is no better feeling in the world it's better than sex uh I'm the record, have, better than sex better than sex <laughs> to have somebody like that somebody that does something so meaningful and important tell you that what that stupid thing that you did in your living room in front of a camera.
1: (laughs) Well, from us Uh, you're gonna have to settle with uh your videos made us forget that we had to be up for work in the morning. But uh in in our in our small little world man, it means a lot. Oh
2: you guys. (laughs) So if anybody out there wants to see me in person on October 24th, I'm gonna be at the Knott House Museum uh doing my annual lecture on a horror film for their halloween activity they haven't even named it yet still in its uh initial planning stages but this year the movie and the lecture will be um dr jekyll and mr hyde uh the 1932 version of the movie with frederick march and basically the way the activity works is uh you show up you sit outside in this lovely um um, backyard that the museum has with a uh, screen it's on the side of the of uh, the museum excuse me and i come up i do my lecture for 30 minutes and it's the usual stuff i talk really fast i use a lot of pop culture references i throw in a lot of off color humor and <laughs> then after 30 minutes they signal me i get out of the way and they actually play a really good movie for you to watch this time around is going to be doctor Jekyll and Mr Hyde the classic version okay. and after that there's going to be a costume contest followed by apparently A Q&A on the movie um it's a lot of fun you get to hang out you get to learn you get to watch a, a good meaningful classic film um a mission is only three dollars three dollars you get to see me watch a movie costume contest q a and um and you get to watch a movie man it's just, <laughs> the price of a bag see. of
1: chips
2: exactly and what what's with those $3, you're supporting the museum. You're supporting cu- culture and history. So, Where is this museum? This is in Tallahassee. Tallahassee. It's the Nothouse Museum of Tallahassee. And I you've don't have got... the address on me, but I have a video on my YouTube channel uh, giving the address. And there will be another video in June and then another video uh, in October reminding everyone uh, of the activity. See, yeah, you've got
1: like half a year to prepare. So, I mean...
2: Well, you know, I'm prepared now. Not you, not you. Right the right the now, listener, the listener. They, the they can time. save up their quarters now,
0: <laughs> and they can afford it then.
2: So I shouldn't tell the speech, do the speech right now. Is that what you're saying?
0: <laughs> oh, oh, you're, we've got all night. But <laughs> I can just picture you being like, I didn't have it prepared, and then like reach into your pocket, real sly. Well, I,
2: I have these bullet points that I'm supposed to talk about, but uh, they're just bullet points. People assume that I have this prepared speech. I never do. They asked me for a prepared speech. I'm like, it's in my head. It doesn't exist. <laughs> and I usually in the way I usually move through it is I gauge the audience reaction. If they're interested in something, I keep talking. If they're not, I uh, move on to the next thing. And that's the way I usually do it, uh, which is the way I was taught to do stand up comedy. Like I said, it's, it'll, it'll be fun. You get to meet me and you get to help the museum out, which is a great cause.
1: Me and Craig are definitely going to make a concerted effort. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of far away it's from a us, bit but. Like a 23 hour
2: drive. But Jesus we do Christ have a Christ while
1: Christ. to prepare, and you know what? We, we are going to make a concerted effort to try to make I, it.
2: I appreciate that. Um, and once again, uh, you get to hang out with me and we get to do this in person, you know. Absolutely. Um, which is way better. I, uh, we can consciously talk bad about people and not get in trouble for it.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. We we really look forward to it. Hopefully, hopefully we can make this happen. Hopefully, you guys listening can make this happen. If you, if you want to get in touch with any of us, you can find either of us on Facebook. He's on Facebook. Facebook dot slash official dot blockbuster an uh, uh,
2: important bit of information. That's not me. Uh. It's not you. <laughs> no that's not me eggs um, on my face oh was, my god was, i'm gonna quit that was <laughs> started by a fan um and at times uh Marcia is considerate enough to go go in there and make um updates but it's not me if if, if somebody answered your question in that it was not me okay um if you do want to i'm happy to answer fan questions as long as you know it's um uh, a question that I can't answer and feel comfortable answering because sometimes people ask me questions about the other producers which I have no business answering. It is you can always ask me the question. And uh, if you want to reach me is erod at com. Okay.
1: Uh, well, you can definitely get a hold of us. We guarantee you it is us. Uh, Facebook.com slash Fairpoint Podcast. Um, you do have a Twitter at bbusterbuster. Is that you? That's
2: not me either. Not you either.
1: <laughs> But, but it still supports you to follow these things. Like, it, it still does you well to go there and click the follow button.
2: Blockbuster Buster has a guy for these things. <laughs> uh,
0: well,
2: no, I'm, just, I'm just not a social media person. I'm nope. just going to make that clear. No problem.
1: And, of course, you can find his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash erod2010. And you can find ours slash that is Podcast. Me. Now that is
0: you.
2: <laughs> that is me. All right, one for three. There we go. <laughs> we're on a roll now. When people like leave comments and I answer that that really is me.
1: Uh, like we said, man, we can't thank you enough, but we're going to we're going to do it one more time. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. You.
2: All right, man, have a nice evening. You you too. This is one this one interview busted. 1000 more to go. Can I'm you Yorod, can you do, do the us buzz the buzz honor
1: buzzer. of just blo- busting Fairpoint real quick before you go? What do you mean? I don't know. I have no idea what I mean. I just, I don't know.
0: He just wanted it. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for being
2: my co-pilot BB. All right. I'm about to write back at you, Chewy. All right. Have a nice evening, guys.
1: You too. You
2: too. I'm Nathan Kabbasir.
0: I'm Craig Lewis.
1: We'll talk to you guys next time.
2: this is the the show is entirely audio right yes yes oh okay um because i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna give suggestions for cool things to put in your background since your background is so uninteresting <laughs> <laughs> as a joke but if the audience can't see you it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah no they can't but I was again as a joke like hey these are cool things like you could put bat poles back there since there's two of you <laughs> And then, like, pretend like you're sliding down the poles every time the show starts. And, and of course, when you're not using them as, as you know, uh, fireman poles, they will look like stripper poles. So you can, They could be a running gag of, like, they're not stripper poles, I swear to God. <laughs> or if girls come to visit, they can uh, have two uses. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs>
0: Listen, I was just curious when I took those lessons.
2: There you go. Hey, hey, it's good for the glutes and it's good for the thighs, don't ask me how I know these things.